good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to read in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. We're reading Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles. In our previous session, we had read um, chapter 10 of Acts. And in chapter 10, Peter had, along with some other uh, some other brethren, had gone to uh, see Cornelius and... Uh, think it was his family and possibly were there friends and things involved possibly so there were people there anyway and uh, as Peter was speaking to them and telling them all about uh, Jesus and the gospel the Holy Spirit had fallen on them all of them um, all who heard the word including you know the Gentiles which is Cornelius and his folks people who were not circumcised who were not Jewish so that's a big deal because that means that us as Gentiles I'm assuming most people who are hearing me are Gentiles and not Jewish in uh, birth um, then you know or lineage you could wouldn't have to be a hundred percent I suppose nonetheless beside the point um, that means that this promise and this word of God and and Jesus and the whole salvation and everything is also for us. This is an example of that, at least. Um, definitely, definitely, this was already being preached that it was for us, and it and it is. That's part of the message that we're going to continue to read and study on. Now, in the beginning of eleven, um, Peter is going back to Jerusalem. So let me just start us there with chapter eleven in the book of Acts. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Now, just so you understand, the circumcision party, those are um, believers in Jesus that are Jews and have been circumcised. So they are Christian Jews or Jewish Christians. I'm not opposed. I'm not particular either way. They are Christians first and foremost, but they were Jewish. They were born Jews. And so they are circumcised. Mostly Gentiles were not circumcised in those days. That was mainly a Jewish custom. Now I know that here in America a lot of people are circumcised, or at least it has been going on for a long time, just automatic. It was something that we just adopted for whatever reason. You may or may not be circumcised, depending on your family and your customs, all that business. You don't have to be. It doesn't matter. I'm not getting that. I'm not saying it does. But but when they say the circumcision party or the circumcised, they're talking about Jewish people, people who were born Jewish and were circumcised. And uh, Gentiles or non-Jewish people usually were not. Okay, so... So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. The concern there is that they that he would have eaten something that was unclean or that they shouldn't eat as Jews. And this just shows that they have not really come to the realization that uh, a lot of those things don't matter anymore. A lot of those little nitpicky things are not important they had their place they had their time and their reason for them but those times are passing but Peter began and explained it to them in order 
I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Eating or being around Gentiles that they might consider, this is just something that popped into my head, that they might consider unclean also, or or of, or of not uh, proper ritual. I mean, they had... I mean, they had certain things they did regularly that were kind of ritualistic. Some of them were good practices that we do even today as far as trying to wash your hands and do different things. Um, had we read back in the Bible a long time ago, we could have, you know, skipped a lot of disease and stupidity through the centuries by just washing our hands and keeping cleaner. Nonetheless, there you know there were various worries that they might have where you might become unclean by interacting with non-Jews. So, but anyway, but Peter was explaining to them what happened. Um, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, "Rise, Peter, kill and eat." But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common or unclean. And this was just, again, to say, just like Jesus had, had said in, in the Gospels, What you eat, what you take in, is not what makes you clean or unclean. It's your... It's your spirit. It's what you take into your heart. It's what you say out of your heart. Um, it's those things that make you unclean. So, all right. So, um, this happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were we were sent to me from Caesarea, and the Caesarea? Oh, it's Caesarea. I'm sorry. I, w I keep wanting to say that wrong. I do apologize. Sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And I guess they hadn't understood that from the, from the past, though that, that, was, you know, that was spoken of in, in prophecies and scriptures, and, and Jesus himself had said things about this. Um, but some of them obviously did not realize that until this time, that yes, the Gentiles also are given are given the same grace and mercy and repentance that leads to life that they have been given. It's not this covenant is not just for the Jews. They're used to the old covenant was really really intended just for the Jews. I mean, 
There were ways that a Gentile or a non-Jew person could could still believe in God and try to follow the law and do those things, but you know, um, it was not the same. Now, in this covenant, it's fully open to us. It's fully there for us. Alright, so, in verse 19, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Now, here again, they thought this was just for Jews at this point. I'm not sure how that confusion was or if that was just such a habit and it was just a hard mindset for them to break that that the word of God, that their God and that their Savior, their Messiah was actually for everyone not just for Jews anymore you know, I mean you have to look at it they've been doing that for centuries we have certain customs and habits if you look at look at any church, any denomination any any faith, even among Christians we have certain customs and rituals and things we do and things we and we say it like it is a law and like it's a commandment and that's the way we treat it and we do it. But sometimes it's really just a custom. It's really just something that we do. And we have good, maybe we have good reasons for doing it, not saying we don't. But sometimes it's not a law, it's not a commandment, it's just a custom. And that's just what we do. And maybe we're following a good example and there's nothing wrong with that. But I would be wary of making laws that don't exist, of making restrictions that don't exist. And in this case, they were restricting it to the Jews because they, they, didn't, they didn't really understand or know any better, okay? But now, here, they had an example. It was not restricted. So here, this is going to make a change. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Now, the, the Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jewish people. Um, ignore that. That's just my on my Xbox. Sorry about that. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. So it sounds like they really worked on establishing this congregation and teaching them all the basic stuff. Barnabas, when he went and got Saul, and they it sounds like they stayed there to really help this get started, which is great. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Now, when they say all the world, you have to realize they mean that huge chunk of Roman Empire, which that was a huge part of the world. And to these people, that was their world for sure. I mean, 
the idea of traveling, not that you couldn't do it, but the idea of traveling from, let's say, even just from Israel to, say, Great Britain was a huge undertaking, a big, big task, and it took a long, long length of time. It, it would take usually months to, to travel distances like that. Uh, just there's so much, so much involved. Um, anyway, you get the idea. So, um, so here there was going to be a great famine, you know, all over their world, you know, their area. Um, and this took place in the days of Claudius, who was then the ruler of, of Rome, the Roman Empire at that time. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, that again, the fact that they were sending just to those that lived in Judea, that kind of shows that it was, while it was a big famine, a big problem in their part of the world, it's not truly like it encompassed the globe worldwide, everyone, okay? So, um, so I'm not trying to say, I'm just trying to make that distinction of what they, what they felt like was their world and what we feel like the entire world is now is, is slightly different. So, you know, you have to, you have to kind of realize that their, their world was, smaller than our world but because their transportation and communication was so uh, less sophisticated and it was so much slower their world seemed humongous seemed overpowering overpoweringly huge so anyway and they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul so they they, as they could, they collected money to send to those who were affected by the famine, who were in Judea. These folks in Antioch, obviously, did not feel like they were really going to be affected by the famine. So, Or if they did, they weren't going to be hugely affected, and they felt they could share. So there you go. So they sent to um, back to the, the brothers in Judea. Judea and wow, I'm having trouble pronouncing, and I'm sorry for that. So anyway... This is a good example of, uh, of a church or a congregation or a group of believers, you know, putting some things together and sending it to help others, you know. And yeah, in this case, they're helping other believers. They're helping other church members. Um, there's nothing here that makes this exclusionary that you could not do similarly to help other people regardless. You know, God causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on everyone. So there's nothing to exclude you from helping others as, you know, as would be appropriate. Um, and I know some would say, well, not with church funds. Well, a group of Christians can get together and do something. It doesn't have to necessarily be church funds, you know. A group of Christians can get together and do something about anything. They don't have to use any technicality as an excuse not to or as an excuse to I mean you know we should be doing it out of the love of our hearts the love of God so just saying you know that's the way it should be um, sometimes we get caught up in things where we're looking for excuses I guess not to do it 
um, not to do things. I, I don't know why, but uh, I mean, I, I'm guilty of that too. I am not just speaking about anybody else. I am saying myself as well. So, all right. Anyway, that's the end of chapter 11. Chapter 11 is kind of short, and I think I've rambled on and made it longer than it probably really is. But nonetheless, wanted to make sure we covered that well. <clears throat> this is not the first time I had done chapter 11. Um, chapter 11 had a, a very bad sound problem, and I discarded that original version, and I, I've redone it. So hopefully this version will be much better. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day, and remember, God loves you.